0: Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now here's your host, Mark Graben.
1: Hi, this is Mark Graben of the Lean Blog and this is episode number eight of the Lean Blog Podcast. It's Halloween, October 31st, 2006 and maybe the only scary thing we have for you today uh, might be our topic. Some people consider the idea of accounting or talking about or sitting down and listening to uh, talk about accounting to be a scary thing. But I hope you'll hang in there today and uh, enjoy the conversation with my guest, Jim Hunsinger. Um, he's the president of the Lean Accounting Summit, uh, which was just held um, successfully not long ago. Uh, it's an annual event now and something that uh, I'm sure some of our blog readers and podcast listeners have attended. They had over 500 attendees this year, and that summit's so been growing quite a bit each year. Uh, Now about Jim, uh, he's got more than 17 years of experience developing lean enterprises through system design and development, implementation, and guiding organizations both strategically and tactically through the transformation process. He's worked with uh, a number of companies in his career, Isin Sakai, Briggs & Stratton, and he's also served as consultant uh, to many companies in their lean journeys. Uh, Jim got into the field of lean accounting doing his master's research, and uh, that led to uh, some of his articles and the Lean Accounting Summit. You can find links to uh, his website and some of his work um, on the Lean blog website. Our guest today is Jim Hunsinger. Jim, thanks for being here on
0: the podcast. Thank you, Mark. I'm very glad to be here.
1: Um, for our podcast listeners, I was wondering if you could start off by giving us a, a brief background of what Lean Accounting is
0: yeah what uh what lean accounting is, and I may add in here at first, it is still kind of an evolving um, concepts and ideas and so forth, but what it's really about is kind of twofold one is about lean accounting as we might call it, and that's about just improving the accounting processes the processes within accounting some uh, pretty much under the same context as we look at anything lean you know eliminating waste from those processes. Mm-hmm to, to improve them. The other side, the other side and, uh, a more larger side of it is sometimes we'll referred to as accounting for lean or how does the accounting function, um, help and support the, the enterprises that transitions to lean and that could be quite a bigger picture to look at.
1: Sure. And uh, what are some of the, major conflicts that, that come up sometimes between lean and the traditional accounting systems how did you discover that in the, the course of your work
0: uh, would you like me to I guess go back to the beginning on that uh, sure okay well the I guess the way the way this happened to me was uh, years ago and this is well closing on 16 17 years ago I was involved with a transformation at a company I worked for and we are moving traditional departments into one-piece flow cells, and one of the things they wanted us to do was do an ROI on this change we were making. Mm-hmm. So that uh, got me involved with our standard costing system, and as I got involved with that, I discovered that uh, basically the information it generated was completely inaccurate. And um, that was very distressing to me because mm-hmm. we basically based all our business decisions on that <laughs> cost information that it generated, and it was absolutely incorrect. Um, so that's that's one of the, the major conflicts with, with it in general is the information that standard costing systems generate uh, can generally be uh, incorrect information. So if yeah. you're basing your business decisions off that, you're basing it off, off incorrect information.
1: Yeah, and incorrect in, in what sorts of ways specifically?
0: Um, it's it's distorted. Um, the example the example I discovered on a specific uh, product I was working on for machining had a had a we had 30 or 40 different variations of this uh, product, and um, and so we had cost information on each of those variations, those different part numbers, and the one that was extremely high volume, and the volume on this was about a million per year. And seventy percent of one of the part numbers was was the seventy percent of the volume for one part number and it gave a particular cost. And it was a pretty straightforward, pretty easy to machine version of it. Mm-hmm. Another one that was under three percent of the overall volume was much more complex. It had a pinion gear on it, so it had you know extra processes like gear shaping, hardening, extra turning, <laughs> extra grinding, so expensive processes. And our costing system showed that to be Quite a bit less for us to manufacture, mm. which you know simply was not true. Yeah,
1: didn't seem So that, true.
0: that was yeah, yeah that was d- initially the dis- distortion I saw with it, and as I dove into it um, deeper, you know, I could see that's basically what it led to, and a lot of that's due really to the allocation process. That's kind of the other side of it, the overhead allocation. Um, where are basically what you're trying to do is divvy up this large glob of cost spread it out you know evenly over different products well that just by the nature of that it's going to give a distorted cost picture to those products because not all products processes consume resources at the same rate and when you get into you know very complex complex operations mm-hmm. you know if you have a very simple operation it isn't so bad but uh, the aggregate of that in a very complex organization is just going to be inaccurate and the cost to make it accurate mm-hmm. by far outweighs the benefit you would get from it
1: So as you were moving towards um, flow production and and putting lean practices in place, were there certain sorts of bad decisions that were being driven by that inaccurate costing, either in terms of uh, pricing of products or just, you know, profit analysis of of different types of products, deciding if you should continue building certain variations of the products?
0: Yeah, I mean, I have to assume so. I mean, um, knowing that the, the output of the information of the cost led to whether we make or buy type decisions mm-hmm. and other things like that. I mean, um, you know, I, I I don't have an example of, and that's one of the problems with the current system. If you know the cost is wrong, but what should it be, but you don't have a system in place to tell you what it's going to be, you know, if how far off, you know, high or low or accurate or not, you have really no idea. Mm-hmm. So in a way, you're really driving, driving it blindly in the dark.
1: Sure.
0: And, again, that's, that's. What I saw the problem was with it, and we use that information like it was accurate mm-hmm. to make to, you know. So we outsourced some things, and a variety of things went into making that decision. But uh, the cost we saw that it cost us was the major player in that decision making. Yeah. So is
1: it part of the um, the idea of developing accounting for lean, um, challenging some of the, the the existing practices. Right. I assume we have you know, um, old accounting practices and, and nowadays, you know, computer software and ERP systems that can calculate everything to four decimal places. But I guess we're stepping back and challenging some of the assumptions that go into those supposedly precise calculations.
0: Yeah, and the problem with some of those systems and um, calculating that, they're, they're fundamental, in a way, the fundamental um Math that they were based on when they were developed, I think back in the, can't remember exactly, 50s or 60s, mm-hmm. is this uh, the absorption costing process? So mm-hmm. that is embedded within those systems. So, you know, um, functionally it makes it easier to do because you have a computer crunching those numbers, mm-hmm. but it's still crunching the numbers incorrectly, which is you know, at the core of the problem.
1: So beyond costing, do you run into problems with? Um, Inventory reductions that usually come about through lien and, and the impact on, on the balance sheet you know, with inventory being considered a, an asset from an accounting standpoint? Are there some problems or dysfunctions that come up as a result of that?
0: yeah definitely so. I mean, it does cause dysfunctions because all of a sudden they they see a loss due to the inventory going away, and then you know things get an uproar because of that now, for as long as that's been known about and as much as that's been talked about, I guess mm-hmm. today i I still get shocked on it's that that is a shocker to companies and people, but it still seems to be the case so obviously educating on on what happens on, on the balance sheet is still necessary and is still out there and people need to be aware of that. That's, that's simply going to be a result of the, of the improvement. And that's, that's where, again, some of the problem comes with it is um, relying on simply the numbers to manage the, oper- manage the operation. And the interesting thing is if you... Uh, Tom Johnson has done a lot of work and a lot of writing that really illustrates this point very well um, in a number of books he, he's he has done over the years, "Profit Beyond Measure" and "Relevance Lost" mm-hmm. really describes yeah. that out real well. Um, but the other thing, the other interesting thing I found in the research and work I've done is the the gentlemen that developed these processes and procedures and methods that, that that all these came out of the Industrial Revolution in the United States. They recognized all these problems back. Back when they developed this stuff, and even warned against using using these uh, methods and processes for calculation and and other such stuff in in cost accounting, managerial accounting, because they said it would lead you to incorrect decision making um, Mm -hmm. if you use it in this in a a sense in this aggregate um, situation, which we do. So they knew knew it was a problem. But that wasn't their purpose with it. They had a different purpose with it. So to them, they weren't the problem, but the problem wasn't a problem for them because they understood what its purpose was.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and for them, it was just simply they their decision-making back then um, was, was based more on their intimate understanding of the products, processes, and the market. That's how they mm-hmm. made their decisions.
1: Now... I, you know, we find a lot of companies today, manufacturing companies, big, large, you know, public companies, even some of the automakers um, have traditionally been run by uh, people from the finance area, um, either, you know, a- accountants or um, business people, you know, general, um, you know, finance folks, as opposed to pe- being product people or, you know, the way you describe it, people who maybe intimately know the products. You know, we have this notion of, you know, professional managers who, uh, just to use a recent example, jump from the um Air, you know, aerospace industry to the automotive industry, you know, uh, it, it, does some of that lead to problems in um, maybe adopting new accounting practices? Do you find more success um, in a company that's run maybe by the manufacturing folks as opposed to finance?
0: Not not necessarily. I mean, I don't I don't want to be picking on the accountants and the finance people, <laughs> right. um, and it's because because you need those people. Those people are not only very important, critical to the success of the organization. Mm-hmm. I think the real problem comes in, and this may stem in is even as engineers go through training, get their MBAs, they get trained on the, on the same types of problems and issues. So whether they're coming out of operations, now they're going to have a more intimate <laughs> understanding of operations. It's a good thing, but um, um, it's really the way they view the business, and that is simply we can manage the business by knowing these numbers mm-hmm. and versus do we have an intimate understanding of our customers, the market, and our products and processes. So we, right. if, if you're an accountant, you can still gain that knowledge. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to go out and get an engineering degree or, or, or by that, but you still be, can mm-hmm. become relatively intimate with the operations, your products, the market, which is where you're going to make the best decisions from. Then, a, then the financial information just becomes a support function to say, okay, we think the market wants this, we think we need this type of product. Then we can use the financial information, the costing information to say, yes, that is a good decision from a cost standpoint. Mm-hmm. And again, back to the founders of all this stuff during the Industrial Revolution, that that was their view of what the cost in, information was for. It was a a support function to verify the decisions they were making by being intimate with the market a, and the products yeah. and the processes.
1: A support function as opposed to the primary or the only
0: yes. source of information. Okay. Yeah, it was a support function, not the driving function. Sure.
1: And, you know, you talk about running businesses by the numbers, and you mentioned, you know, the idea of um, preparing executives within a company uh, at the beginning of a lean initiative that, you know, we are going to reduce inventory. This is going to have some impact on um profit loss, you know, be prepared for that. Um, but Wall Street, you know, of course, runs or looks at the numbers uh, w- within companies, and that, that's another um, stakeholder, you know, it would seem, for a lot of large public companies. Uh, in either working with lean or, or particularly lean accounting, um, do you find it easier if a company is, is private or, uh, or smaller to be able to, make some of these changes or or even, you know, accept a short-term one-time hit uh, in profit loss uh, as opposed to larger public companies that that worry more about Wall Street and the analysts?
0: Yeah, I think it makes it easier, although I think it really comes down down to the understanding, whether it's a private or public company, the understanding of the leadership is critical. Now, obviously, being a public company, that is one more hurdle and a big hurdle to get by because it's so – Short-term driven, um, you know, stock stock price driven, and all that, and some things you may do in a short term by implementing lean. And we mentioned, you know, one earlier about, um, you know, uh, the assets dropping off because you're reducing inventory can hit you in a short term and cause some issues and problems for that. Right. Um, that you wouldn't have in a in a private company. I mean, basically, there you can uh, um, do what you want, you know, with with the business because you're not reporting to this. Um, um, you still have to follow certain stipulations, but you're not reporting wow. out to these external entities. So it's really more of a, a hurdle and a big hurdle that some, that, uh, public companies have to go around. And so far, um, they've had difficulty with that one.
1: Yeah. I mean, it seems like it comes back to the old, um, challenge of you know, you know, short-term thinking versus long-term thinking where lean and Toyota production system tries to get us to focus on the long-term, but it seems like, you know, uh, you know the qu- quarterly reporting and, and some of the financial measures um, you know, stock price and other things that uh, executives uh, or the companies end up worrying about are, are very much short-term driven. Yeah,
0: but there are there are companies, public companies out there that have been successful at that, and a lot of that's came f- came from two things. One, from the, the understanding of the leadership, and it just relates mm-hmm. back to that, and then the leadership educating um, their uh, board members and some of their auditors and other people on this is what they're doing and this is why and this is how it's beneficial for us in the long term. Sure. And they've been successful with that. But that's still, unfortunately, a fairly small number. Right.
1: Um, so speaking of success stories, um, you, know, you just recently had this year's Lean Accounting Summit. Uh, w- were there uh, some specific success stories or companies that were there presenting, um, you know, some of the changes they've made? What, what are some of the real particular success stories that you heard about there?
0: Yeah, there's some. It, it, there's, still, there's still not that many, and it's just because so many companies have not gone very far from a from a lean accounting perspective um, for example i would i would gift calls during the year about uh, companies coming and curious about what they should go to, and they would always comment, "Well, we're just not a, as far along in lean accounting as as other companies." And what I would explain to them, I, I'd tell them, "Well, if if you've been involved with it in a couple months, you're actually you're actually out on the cutting cutting edge, and have been involved with it for quite a while, relatively speaking." <laughs> sure. So I said, "Everybody's somewhat in that same boat, but companies that have made some good progress with it and are are, are reaping the benefits from it. One company that actually came." Um, in two thousand and five summit um, and brought a big contingency there um, only ha- only their CFO came to the two thousand and six and you know I, and I talked with him about it, and the reason why he said we learned so much mm-hmm. from the first one we 're so excited and we 're doing so much that we 're still busy applying what we learned from the first one, but he said we 'll be back in, uh, and we 'll be back definitely in mm-hmm. in numbers in seven because they got so much out of it so that's you know, that 's kind of excitement and actual actua, actua- actuation that we want to see from companies and hope mm-hmm. to see because they're already with the, what they've done in a year, which they said, we still have a very long ways to go, but they're very much seeing the benefit from it, you know, mm-hmm. financially, as well as with just changing the culture within the companies itself. And, and that's and that actually does fed take in, time. Sure. Yeah. But it's fed into their excitement. The excitement they initially had has been fed back into by, you know, the successes they've had here in a short time they've been working on it.
1: Mm-hmm. And it sounded like the the summit was quite successful. You had over 500 attendees this year. Is that
0: right? Yeah, over 500 t- attendees, nearly doubled from the year before. So that, that's good. Uh, the message is getting out. Uh, more people are aware of it, and so more people are, you know, working to try to get engaged with it. And mm-hmm. and you know, we're very excited about that.
1: Yeah. Well, great. It, it sounds like you know other lean conferences that I've attended. The the general theme is you know people coming to hear from others who have already done it or, you know, you come to hear the experts. It sounds like the uh, the, the climate with the Lean Accounting Summit is more of one of, you know, Here, here's a group with shared interests, let's get together and figure it out as we go. Is that a fair way of describing the, the state of Lean Accounting right now?
0: Yeah, we got it. I mean, we have the, the group of thought leaders, Is they like to refer to themselves to the learning leaders there, that are a very knowledgeable, very experienced group and also very passionate about this topic and wanting to help people do it. And I think that's one of the things that help it's helped this the summit to be so successful is the people that attend really pick up on not only that, that knowledge and their experience and all that, but also the passion that these guys are are driven by. And also too, the more the more we move forward, the more companies that we'll have that have very good stories to tell. Um, you know, of their positive and negative experience of going through the process, and we want more of that in our attendees. We definitely have gotten substantial feedback um, from our attendees, which is wonderful for us because that really helps us with the planning process and putting together a program that people want to hear about and to help it grow and move forward. But also, too, as we move forward, we'll have more companies that have more experience under their belt on what it takes and what they've done and what's successful and what's not, and and uh, attendees are very interested in learning about that. So we definitely mm-hmm. want to give that to them.
1: Uh, are the attendees in general a mix of large and small companies? Are there any um, trends you see as far as you know, who's attending being an indicator of who's most actively working on lean accounting?
0: No, not really. We I mean we have a very good mix of uh, companies from very large, very very large publicly held companies down to um, very small privately held companies mm-hmm. so we have we have a very broad range of companies and from a variety of industries too and not only manufacturing companies we've had some healthcare uh, we've also had some overseas people people coming from uh, um, South America and also oh. Europe um, have came to it so we are seeing quite a variety of of people and organizations and uh, and industries show up for this, which again is is very good because we because it's something that's more than just industry that it, that affects.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the plans for 07? I assume another lean accounting summit. Are there other things that you're working on?
0: Yeah, the, the plan for the, the 2007 summit, like I said, is we've gotten uh, fabulous feedback from, from our attendees and even our presenters, and we really work on a mix of uh, what the presenters, um, what they see is they're out there working with companies, what they get from feedback from the people that participate in the summit, and then also, too, on what the attendees want to see. What did they like? What didn't they like? What do they want to see more of? And so forth, and then we we adjust to try to accommodate that. And some other things we're working on, um, actually coming up in 2007, is we're going to have a, a conference or summit on a topic from training known as training within industries, a TWI summit, mm-hmm. is what we call it. Um, that's actually a, a, I don't want to say emerging because it's been it has a long history and has been around for a while, but re-emerging back in the United States. And has really picked up a lot of steam and significant interest in the last 12 months, and actually is a is another critical item, uh, fundamental item, from a Toyota production system standpoint. That's really making uh, ground here back in the United States, and it was yeah, and it uh, it was around during World War II and made a significant impact, but it's starting to return.
1: Yeah, and you wrote an article about that I saw in the uh, A.M.E. Target magazine, and is there I, I think I saw. Uh, is there a book out in the market this year about the TWI program?
0: Yeah, there's there's a couple books. One came out, I believe it was last year, um, by Don De Niro, came out last year that kind of uh, that went through a, a, in very very d- good detail the history of it and you know behind what it did for the United States mm-hmm. and and what it was about. Another book came out this year on TWI by Patrick Graup and Bob Rona and it's really kind of a TWI workbook. It really goes down through and explains the actual training programs that were developed out of it in in detail on how those function and work.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, hopefully if you'll come back and join us for a future podcast, we can talk about um, the TWI program and and the revitalization or kind of rediscovery of that, maybe as a a separate topic. And for the podcast listeners, I'll put links on um, my website, um www.leanpodcast.org. It has links to the the different books and articles that were mentioned. Um, Jim's website is www.leanaccountingsummit.com. Any other resources that you would point people to if uh, they're curious to learn more about Lean Accounting?
0: Yeah, a couple things I might mention. One is you pointed to the Lean Accounting Summit website. There's a there's a uh, something you can click on there that actually give a list of books by a lot of our thought leaders that, uh, on a topic, okay. on many topics, but obviously a lot on lean Lean Accounting. There is also um, if you would go to um, AME's Association of Manufacturing Excellence website. We did an article um, last year on lean accounting titled "Lean Accounting: what it's, What's It All About." It's actually, I think, the first um, issue of 2006. Mm-hmm. As kind of tri- as kind of a cumulative um, framework of what lean accounting is, at least as we see it currently, knowing that it's going to be an evolving thing.
1: Sure. Well, great. We'll make sure links are out there on the website. Jim, thanks a lot for being here today and, and giving us kind of the background and introduction to lean accounting. really appreciate it. Okay. Well, thank
0: you. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.